Voices in my head, they counsel me, they understand, they talk to me. What is up, my dudes? What is up, my dudettes? It's the Casey's Corner Podcast, broadcasting live on this Thursday afternoon, July 23. We're already getting close to August. Freaks me out. Kind of trips me out. Um, we've got just a gorgeous day here in southeast Louisiana. It's not really all that hot. Sitting under the carport, enjoying my time. Um, there is a breeze blowing. There's a reason for that breeze to be blowing. Tropical Depression 8 is churning in the Gulf of Mexico. Heading towards Texas should not be much of an impact here, but we should actually get a little bit of a cool down in temperatures, a little bit of a tropical breeze, maybe some feeder bands giving us some rain. But we'll certainly be thinking and praying for our friends in Texas, hoping that this depression never strengthens and you know causes just minimal impacts to our friends in the state of Texas. Um, but focused on our business here at hand, we've got a jam-packed show coming your way. Uh, a little bit later in the show, in the next segment of the show, we're going to have South Lafouche baseball coach Chandler Guitros on the line. Coach Guitros was one of the um, guys who had the unenviable task of, in the middle of a state championship um, chase, was being asked to uh, you know, tell his guys, hey guys, we're not going to play anymore. Um team that had realistic goals and expectations of maybe making a run and those got stopped dead in their tracks because of the COVID-19 pandemic and you know that feels like you know three years ago now it was only four months ago then and now so much has happened since then you know they're rebuilding and um, you know trying to get the pieces back together for another 2021 season but so much uncertainty in terms of you don't know when your season is going to be. Are they going to flip seasons in Louisiana? You don't know, you know, what it's going to look like. Is the season going to be shortened? Is, are we going to have this virus under control in the next coming months? Will there be school? You know, you don't know anything, but you're still trying to get better because if you don't get better, you're getting worse. And, and this this district is is so good and so strong locally that you've got to stay competitive. So Coach Guitros, and oh yeah, on top of all that, he was diagnosed with COVID-19 a couple of weeks ago. Thankfully, has recovered. We'll talk to him about all those challenges a little bit later in the show. After that, we're going to have local boxer slash MMA fighter Macy Bro on. Macy's joined the show before. She's preparing for her professional boxing debut here in the coming weeks. Macy's awfully talented. Uh, one of the most diligent people that I know. She is all over her social media doing um, exercises and trainings and just never stops. In fact, texted her to line up her interview to be on the show. She said, yeah, sure, I'll be free all day, but um, I'm going for a run first. You know, in true you know, Macy fashion, staying busy, staying active, staying healthy. She'll be making her pro debut in boxing here soon. We have complete confidence that she's going to get a victory and start her career off the right way. We'll talk to her about all of that. But one of the reasons why we wanted to have Macy on today is because she just got done training with Roy Jones Jr. at Roy Jones Jr.'s gym in Florida. And now Roy Jones Jr. is like big in the news. And we'll talk about this in the fourth segment of the show, our sports update. Roy Jones Jr. is going to be fighting an exhibition bout against Mike Tyson. Uh, that'll be coming up in September. We knew that Mike Tyson had been training and 
working on doing some different things. He looks like he is shredded to pieces, looks like an army tank. And we know Roy Jones Jr. conditions himself. He's never formally even retired. He's continued to fight and you know he's he's fought a couple of times in the last couple of years so they'll be going in an eight round exhibition we'll talk about that in the fourth segment of the show which is going to be our sports update um and and lastly i wanted to leave you guys with this before we catch a quick commercial break i'm not going to do any covid at all today this is going to be 100 sports this is going to be 100 leisure i mean i get it at times we're going to have to you know the two intertwine so we're going to have to talk a little bit about it no updated numbers no updated hospitalizations you guys know we're staying in phase two for another two weeks um you guys know the guidance you guys know what you're supposed to do what you're not supposed to do for me to start every one of these shows the same way telling you what to and not to do is old it's repetitive and it's not the reason why you guys are listening to a podcast you guys are listening to a podcast to escape all of that crap for a couple of minutes for an hour for 90 minutes however long we run so i'm going to not phase out the COVID updates but i'm going to just scale them down if you're interested in the numbers go to lafougegazette.com if you're interested in the numbers visit the louisiana department of health website if you guys have questions that pile up i'll continue to do q a's and answer those questions but i just feel like you guys are listening to me um here in this 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 platform to be entertained to listen to prominent local figures and local role models and people who are on the athletic scene or the political scene you're not listening to me lecture you guys about wearing a mask you're not listening to hear me complain about the people who are not doing the things they're supposed to be doing or the conspiracy theorists slash morons on social media and all the garbage they're spreading you're not listening to me for any of those reasons so we're gonna do what i often tell sports personalities to do on social media we're going to stick to sports stupid we're going to have a sports show today and at a time where there's so much sports to finally talk about today is opening day in the mlb we've already given our mlb predictions but we're going to talk about opening weekend uh the pelicans played a scrimmage yesterday against the nets looked great the nets on the flip side of that looked awful we'll talk about the nba they're opening up next week um, college football, Nichols, Southland Conference, they're going to be reopening. We'll talk about all of that and more. Um, we actually are recording this too late for me to give my PGA Tour picks. I'm not going to cheat. The first round is halfway over. I'm not going to cheat and, and you know make my predictions after the tournament's already started. But we're going to continue our sports betting blitz, and we're going to actually add on to our sports betting blitz because I'm going to give some weekend picks in Major League Baseball and some things to pay attention to that you can maybe make a little bit of money off of if you're going to Biloxi or whatever it may be and uh, you want to drop a couple of dollars on some games, I'll give you some thoughts and give you some advice on some things that you may be looking into. So we're going to catch a quick commercial break. When we get back, Chandler Guitros, South LaFouche Baseball, good dude, um, doing a good job with the Tarpons Baseball Program. So happy to hear that he's doing well after a COVID-19 diagnosis. Uh, we'll talk to him about all of that and more after this break. It's the Casey's Corner Podcast on lafouchegazette.com. Hey, it's me again. And usually commercials are a time where you're selling a product or promoting something that you're doing within your workspace. Forget about that. That's not what this commercial's for. This commercial is from me to you, our wonderful readers at the Lafouche Gazette and our wonderful listeners to this podcast. I want to send my sincerest thanks to every single one of you 
who has reached out during the pandemic, who has called or texted to see how we were doing, to give us kudos on our work, to give us thanks, and you know all the different things that we've been doing. It means so much. So from the bottom of my heart, I tell you guys also, just like you're always thanking us, we thank you for reading our product, for consuming our podcast, and for giving us the ability to go into your living rooms with our news. We try our best every single day. We have a wonderful staff and a wonderful team, and it's our absolute pleasure to serve the people of Lafouche Parish. God bless you all, and keep listening and keep reading LafoucheGazette.com. You're soft, you're sloppy. They calling me poppy. I'm rolling in bands, riding around, and I beat up jalopy. Hey, go. Pros want to cop. But they are just not. It's the Casey's Corner Podcast here on LaFoucheGazette.com. Joining us now, the head baseball coach of the South LaFouche baseball team, Coach Chandler Guitros. Coach, good afternoon, man. How are you? Good afternoon, man. I'm uh, sitting on my patio right now. I want the full Casey Gisclair podcast experience. So I'm going to go outside just like you do, man. <laughs> We're actually recording this outside right now. So you, you're, you are a fan of the show indeed, brother. Um, interesting Absolutely. time in the world. Uh, you guys are uh, locked into phase two for another two weeks. Uh, locked out of the athletic facilities indefinitely. Um Look, man, I, I, I want to be overly positive and I want to be overly optimistic, but it's starting to feel like March again in some ways and that things continue to get taken away. What are some of the things you're hearing right now in terms of talking baseball? Um, you know, right now it's probably the same thing that you're hearing. You know, a lot of uh, talk about switching up the seasons. And, um, you know, from the baseball coach's perspective, we everybody that I've talked to, which is quite a few coaches and everything that I've seen from coaches on our uh, social media group, I've not seen one baseball coach in favor of that, you know, so um, that that's kind of uh, the limbo that we're in. I know we had some news from the state, Mr. Bonine yesterday said that he still intends on playing fall sports, uh, you know, but uh, we heard the same thing in the spring, you know, we, we were in mid-April and we were still having some hope held out that we'd be able to finish our season. So, um, you know, you see a lot of other states coming out with plans and I'm in no mean, by no means, uh, you know, trying to talk down on our athletic department in the state of Louisiana. But uh, you're seeing a lot of uh, states coming out with concrete plans, and right now that's just not happening in Louisiana. So, uh, you know, the lot's still up in the air, and uh, we'll see how it goes. So uh, in terms of uh, you guys, I know you guys got some work in over the summer, but by and large, didn't get a whole lot. And what I mean by that is you guys are used to playing a summer season. That didn't happen. You guys are used to, you know, being very aggressive in workouts and everything like that. That didn't happen. Uh, now, I, I understand that you guys are in the same boat as a lot of other teams in the area, but how much does that set you back, and, and how much catching up do you have to do when things finally do get opened back up? Oh, it's huge. I mean, the, the biggest thing that I wanted to change whenever I got the job was to change the way that we worked out and to change what we did in the weight room, and the kids really bought into that. You know, I, I think that if you you know just look at the, the physical bodies that our team had to start the season last year, it was a night and day difference as far as their thickness, just putting on good weight. You know, and, um, you know, it was a lot of hard work that went into that. And whenever you take off, how, what are we now, four or five months uh, that we've been in this, that we haven't been in the weight room, you know, we're kind of back to square one. And it, it's hard to say that. It, it's killing me to even think about that. Uh, but that's the biggest thing that we miss is the weight room time. 
Um, we could have had weight room time during the last couple of weeks. I chose not to. I just wasn't comfortable putting kids in the weight room. Uh, that, that was a me decision. I wasn't a school board telling me to do anything. I just wasn't comfortable yet with the guidelines that were in place, knowing that we weren't playing a game for seven months to put any of our kids in that position. Uh, so what we've been doing is just a lot of running and throwing, uh, you know, trying to catch arms back up to speed just in case something would happen to where, okay, you have a month, get your team better to play. That's the next question I was going to ask you is, is, I mean, as a coach, you guys are so routine driven and, you know, hey, and in October we do this, in January we do this, in February we do this. Well, right now you're in the middle of, hey, my season may be starting in mid-January, early February, or my season, oh crap, may be starting in three or four weeks. Like, so talk about how difficult that is to prepare when you don't know what the heck is going on. Right, and that that's kind of, um, you know, my main concern, obviously, with pitchers is arm injuries, and I'm in the same boat as everyone else in the state right now because we really don't know how bodies are going to react to it. We don't have a true fall league with pitching down here. Uh, we have, just in the state of Louisiana, football is so big. A lot of our, you know, more athletic kids are playing football as well. So we're, we're you know, my personal decision and my personal outlook has just been to keep the arms in good enough shape to where if we do have to ramp it up, we're not going to injure anyone but also not to have our arms super hot right now to where, okay, let's cool it off another three months. You're not playing until February. So that's kind of the balancing act is we're just trying to stay in good enough shape to where at a moment's notice we could say, okay, we have four weeks. We've been doing our throwing program at these distances, and we could really ramp it up to where we are in good enough shape to, you know, be somewhat competitive uh, from jump. Shane Trosclair, a friend of the show's, friend of the area, and I'm sure a friend of yours as well, it, it came and said Saturday on the Sports Corner um, something that I thought made sense. And his plan was, okay, let's just push back the start of everything 45 to 60 days and everything meaning every sport. And he said, hey, look, it wouldn't be ideal for us because baseball coaches would lose a little bit of their summer. But he said he would be willing to coach into mid-June and early July if it meant you know, finishing an entire season. Would you be in favor of doing that? 100%, man. I, I think that's our biggest fear is we get all excited, get our kids mentally ready to go again and to have it ripped away from them again. You know, that, that's really our biggest fear. That's why every coach that I've spoken to is so against starting in the fall. You know, we really want to give our kids a fair shot that every other, you know, sports season, uh, be it fall or winter last year, got the crown of state champion. We didn't. You know, it's a... Uh, Whatever we got to do, man, I you know, you've heard me talk about it before. I still think that we could have finished our playoffs in May and June this year because kids were already playing anyway. You know, I think that there could have been a way to get it done. And that's why I'm having such a hard time, you know, hearing let's get started in the fall whenever, you know, the numbers are not any better now than they were back then. And we had to, you know, tell a bunch of 18-year-old men, sorry, you know, you can't play anymore. So it's, it's really – uh frustrating that they didn't get that chance and i really pray that we do whatever we got to do to make sure i don't care when we start man we can start next may i don't care but whenever we start let's give these kids a chance to finish so one of the big concerns and i know it's a it's a shared concern between the both of us is that like there are going to be games regardless of whether they're school sanctioned games or not and i've already heard the whispers of hey if there's not football then such and such is going to be starting a seven-on-seven league independent of the schools. And just talk about the challenges of, hey, look, you're trying to do things the right way in a controlled, you know, in a controlled, structured format, but 
there are other opportunities that aren't following the same sets of rules. Can you talk about, you know, the frustrations and the concerns that that gives to you as a coach? Yeah, I mean, that's been the most frustrating part through all of this is that I haven't been able to do baseball activities with my kids and my kids have been able to go elsewhere and play. And uh, that's the reality. I'm not any coach that does that. Thank you. You know, thank you for taking care of our kids right now when we can't. But um, I, I guess that's, that really is like you're saying with football, the seven on seven leagues or AAU basketball or travel baseball. The sports will find a way to get played. I just hope that they are smart about it. And, you know, we, we are so heavily regulated as high school coaches and high school programs because we don't just answer to somebody, you know, sitting in a, a chair somebody running a tournament you know ultimately we answer to the government we work for the government uh, um so it, it really is out of our control we's, we've got to do what we're told and um you know it, it's really just praying that kids are kept as safe with other coaches as they would be with us i've got to ask you um you know in terms of teaching and, and you're uh, a lot of the coaches that we talk to are PE teachers, and not to diminish their work, but they're, they're not physically in a classroom teaching a core subject. You are. In terms of the AB and the virtual learning and some of the different things that you guys are going to be asked to do, does that make it easier for you as a coach, more difficult as a, you know, to, to do both, or does it not have much of a difference either way? Um, I think that um, you know the, the hardest thing is going to be the unknown just because we've never done it before as far as starting a year this way. I think that we'll adjust fine, and I think that our attitudes as educators will go a long way with how the kids and the parents respond. Because uh, kids are resilient, man. They, they want to get it done. They, they want it to work. It's up to us to have the right attitudes, and you know, whatever our administration asks of us, whatever Thibodeau asks of them, is very important in my opinion as educators that we just you know don't go complain to each other or go talk in the lounge or say we should be doing this, doing that. Whatever they say we're going to do, let's have a great attitude and let's get it done. And I think the kids and the parents are really going to respond to that. You know, um, I'm going seven years teaching the same subject. My wife's moving from pre-K to fifth grade. So I think her adjustment, you know, is going to be a lot harder than mine. And that's what I keep reminding myself is that we're all in the same boat. Everyone's going to have different challenges. It's our attitude and our enthusiasm and how we deal with the kids and parents is going to go a long way in making this successful or unsuccessful. It's come to my attention that the, the students who are going to opt for virtual learning are going to be eligible to compete in Lafouche Parish Athletics. I know there were a lot of questions about that. So for you as a baseball coach, will it provide challenges if, you know, let's say, let, let's just assume that, that baseball is going to be played in the spring. And let's assume that you have four or five guys who you don't see throughout the day, but who are coming to baseball, but you can't keep tabs on them throughout the day like you normally would. Uh, that's going to present some challenges as well, won't it? Yeah, it will, man. And, um, uh, like I said, uh, we're, we're all going to be in the same boat with it. I, I think that the kids, you know, whether they're learning in the classroom or, you know, learning at home, a lot of people are trying to make it out well. If you're going to stay home all day, then you shouldn't really be allowed to come play sports. You're, you're taking advantage of the system. I see a major difference in sitting in a classroom with 30 people as opposed to going to baseball practice outside with 30 people. You know, um, I just think it's different situations. I think that we need to be as accommodating as possible to all students and parents in these times. And if students are willing to go through that and be able to have a ride to get there, you know, yes, it will be harder to keep track of them. If we have a game, we got to be on a bus at a certain time. They're, they better be there. But I think that just in the circumstances that we're living in, whatever we got to do to make it work, we've got to do it. Yeah, no doubt. And 
you lost a talented group of seniors, but you got a very talented core group coming back. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to kind of brag on some of your returnees. I know you guys are in a good position for the next couple of years. Yeah, man, we really are. Um, just going back to last season, we played our last tournament in New Orleans. And uh, once Austin Danos went, went out with an injury, we had five sophomores in the starting lineup to go along with two juniors. And uh, we really had success with that group that we put on the field, you know. Um, obviously, names that you've been hearing, Ducher, me, uh, Darren Ducey, those guys are going to be three-year starters for us with another year left. Um, they're special baseball players, special competitors, and I, I think that they're going to really be the guys that help us go. Uh, a couple of seniors coming back, and Miles Mathern, as well as Matt Jalbert, who also started for us last year, going to provide some great leadership for us. And, um, you know, a guy who really was fixing a, in my opinion, blow up just like he did on the football field as a sophomore last year was Hunter Conley. Uh, Hunter is a special, special baseball player, in my opinion. I think that he's going to be able to name a sport at the college level because I think he's a special football player as well. But, uh, you know, we let Hunter call games from behind the plate, let him learn, because I really believe in letting pitchers work at their own pace. And Hunter was really just getting into a groove. And, uh, you know, this summer he actually uh, – the one game or one of the two games that I was able to uh, go see them play, he had a powering home run off the scoreboard at Southland Park, which is not a hitter's park whatsoever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the guy's just a mule. He's a mule. Um, some new faces that you're going to see, uh, you saw some of Scott Robichaux last year on the mound. I think that he uh, has a good shot to be our ace. And another uh, newcomer that I'm extremely excited about, you might know him from basketball, is Matthew Lee. Uh, Matt might be the best pure hitter. He might be a guy that went from not being in the lineup last year to being our three-hole as a junior. That, that's how highly I think of him. Um, and so some different guys who had spot playing time and Jonah Colley, um, Ben Martin, guys like that who really didn't get a, a full season's opportunity last year, but are some guys who are up and coming. And I know I'm leaving a couple of guys out on the spot, but, uh, you know, just – when I got the job, I knew that I had a three-year window that we could really win big, and I just hope that year two doesn't get taken away from us too, man, because I think that we have a, had a good three-year window starting with last year's team that we could really uh, make a lot of noise in the playoffs. And that's not to say anything about the kids coming up uh, from freshman on down. It's just that we haven't seen them a lot. But I know what we had uh, last year, juniors through sophomores, that I, I think that we got a, a good little couple-year run in us. Dude, it feels like the the momentum has just changed so much. And what I mean by that is – I mean, you guys are are contending perennially every year, and, and it, it's even deeper than that. And what I mean by that is, okay, I mean, there's facilities on the body where you could go and hit, you know, indoors, and, you know, there's the beautiful facilities out in Thibodeau where you could go and hit, and anytime you want to play baseball now, you can. Uh, anytime you want to find a team to play baseball, you can. It feels like far more than when you or I were, were kids at the same time frame, the opportunities are endless and more important than the opportunities because you know as well as I do – there are good opportunities and there are bad opportunities. Th these kids are learning to play the right way now at younger ages. Yeah, man, and I give credit to the growth of travel ball in our area and baseball really coming to the forefront. Uh, you know, uh, I was in school the same time as you. I'm a couple of years younger, but we, we went through my uh, freshman year all the way until my junior year without winning a district game, you know. And that's back whenever, you know, and there's nothing against it. We just played our league and our all-star season, and that was it. That, that's what you played. That's all we had. Now, if you're not uh, a football guy, you really have opportunity to play baseball year-round. Um, and like you said, just with the new Bayou Baseball Academy opening up, with, with the Hogs do, with what the Forum does in Thibodeau, there are so many good coaches in our area at the youth level 
and even at the high school level, man, you, you just look around and we have, you know, just traveling the state the last few years, seeing other coaches, we have so much quality coaching, so much, uh, so many quality men in our area that have chosen this as a profession. And you're really seeing it with the kids, man. It, it's all the way through from travel ball and up to high school. Uh, you know, these kids are blessed. They really can't understand what it used to be like in the 90s, early 2000s, whenever we grew up. Uh, but to see the game explode in the area, man, it's just such a blessing. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful to be a coach at this time because we're getting kids who know the game, who love the game, who understand the game. And it's really just been a blessing for all of us. It, you saying what you said about the district games, it, it, it's crazy to me. But now if we go a two-week period without winning a district game, everybody's flipping out and going crazy. It's, exactly. just, it's crazy the way that expectations change. And, it, you know, it's just awesome to see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. It's a blessing. You know, we have high expectations now. Uh, you know, for all our programs in the area, it, it makes it. I just wish we could have had a district season this year, man, because I think with what we were doing, the start we had, South Terrebonne, Vanderbilt, Assumption, man, I, I think we have one of the best baseball districts in Class 4A. And, uh, you know, man, it's just a shame that we couldn't compete with those guys this year, man, because it would have been some exciting stuff uh, to really give you guys as fans something to enjoy. So let, let's talk about this before we wrap up with you. Um, I know that. This entire situation hit close to home for you guys, literally. Uh, you were diagnosed with COVID-19. understand your quarantine is now uh, finished. You sound great. I'm so happy to hear that you sound great. And uh, tell us a little bit about what to, what, what to expect if someone were to test positive. What was your experience like with COVID-19? Yeah, my experience, man, I got back from a, a little trip and, you know, went to work, uh, workouts on Monday morning. I was fine. You know, thank God that we are doing things the right way. I had my mask on outside, never went within six feet of a kid, and we stayed outside. Uh, come Monday afternoon, I started with a little cough, and it was just one of those, uh-oh. And, uh, you know, in the profession that I'm in and with two little kids at home, I didn't want to take a chance of letting it prolong or get any worse. So I went get swabbed for COVID-19 the next morning. And within 24 hours, I had a positive diagnosis. And I'm just glad I got tested before the fevers got started. Uh, but symptoms got worse, you know, fever, lost uh, quite a few pounds. Um, and it, the, the worst part was really just staying isolated from my family, man. I had my, my wife and kids, you could hear them talking, giggling, crying right outside my door, and I couldn't hold my kids for a few days. And, um, you know, come to find out within a couple of days later, my wife says, you know, might as well walk out the room now because I have a fever and one of our girls has a fever. Oh, man. Uh, so uh, we didn't get them outside to go get tested, but both my children had it and my wife had it as well. Uh, my wife's uh, coming off symptoms right now. Both my kids ran fever for about 36 hours and I, they were perfectly fine, man. It, it's so crazy how something that had me laid up in bed for a couple of days, I have a three and a half year old and a one and a half year old and they're up and spry like it was nothing you know yeah um but uh you know it, it was tough and that was the worst part was the isolation you know being in a room not being able to hold your kids and uh you know there's only so much you could do because before i exposed them to it before i had symptoms so uh they had it we all had it but uh, everybody's doing great now uh you know just happy that we were able to uh, stay away from the elderly people within our family do the right thing and you know just kind of wait it out on our own so happy to hear that, man. And before we let you go, last question. Are you guys hearing any type of guidance on when you guys may be able to get back at it? I know I've not heard much from the flu side of things. The numbers continue to, to go up daily. But have you guys gotten any peek into what the plans may be going forward? Not a word, man. The last I heard was indefinitely. And, uh, you know, it's, I have a hard time, uh, you know, seeing us coming back anytime soon unless the numbers change or the attitudes toward the virus change. I mean, if the numbers and the uh, percentage of people who have it keep going up, 
you know, it's hard to see them justifying that they were able to stop us with certain numbers, but then let us come back. And that might just be my opinion. I hate to be negative about it, but like I said, man, you're coming from a guy who had a season uh, taken away from, you know, those seniors last year. And, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to stay positive whenever you see the numbers going in a certain direction and things just keep getting taken away. Uh, but, you know, once we get back in front of the kids and they tell us we could go, it's, it's let's go. And uh, as long as they let us do it, we'll do it. To piggyback on top of that, to wrap up, uh, are you guys doing anything? Zoom meetings? Are you giving them workouts? Or what, what are some of the things you guys are doing in the meantime? No, not right now, man. Like, because uh, I'm literally coming off my quarantine today. Sure. Uh, so we, we're, we're trying to take it easy as best we could. Uh, but before, all we were really doing was running and throwing anyway. So, um, you know, my last email to the kids and parents was, let's be smart. Make sure you're outside every day doing some type of conditioning. Because, you know, the biggest reason that I chose to run them instead of getting in the weight room is because so many kids just had bad quarantine habits and a lot of kids came back out of shape. So the biggest thing was to get their bodies back in decent physical conditioning. And, you know, as well as I do, once you lose that, it's hard to get it back. So sure. uh, our last words of encouragement for those guys was really, you know, take care of your bodies, do the right thing, get in the heat, get in the sun every day and just do what you can. Sounds like a winner, brother. Well, uh, happy to hear that you guys recovered. We were praying for you guys every day, and uh, thanks so much for the time, brother. All right, Casey, I appreciate it, man. Uh, you all do a great job with this show, and thank you for all you do covering high school athletics in our area. Our kids and the coaches really appreciate you, man. You got it, brother. All right, thank you, man. Learn something new every day. Uh, Coach Chandler Guitros is a fan of the show. I always like Coach Guitros. like him a little more now. My head's a little bit bigger now after recording that interview. It's the Casey's Corner Podcast on LaFouchegazette.com. We'll take a quick commercial break. When we get back from the world of baseball, we go to the world of boxing and MMA. We'll have Macy Bro, a local fighter who's about to make her professional boxing debut. After this break, it's the Casey's Corner Podcast on LaFouchegazette.com. Hey guys, I know it's a commercial break, but it's me again. But I want to tell you guys a big secret. I know how you guys could get the news in LaFouche Parish, the hottest news, all the things that all your friends and all your family members are talking about first before everyone else. How? By getting the Lafouche Gazette app. Go to your app store, get the Lafouche Gazette app today. You'll get push notifications right to your phone anytime anything breaks, anytime anything exciting happens, anytime there's anything going on in Lafouche Parish that people are talking about, we're going to be talking about it and we're going to send it right to your phone. So go to the Lafouche Gazette app, find it on your app store today, download it 100% free, 100% news, 100% local, 100% all the time. Download the LaFouche Gazette app today. It's the Casey's Corner Podcast here on LaFoucheGazette.com. Joining us now, local, soon-to-be professional boxer, Macy Bro. Macy, how are you? Good, I'm great. Absolutely, uh, great to hear that. Um, I'm sure you're excited, and I'm sure the introduction that we just gave you kind of gives you a little bit of chills. Soon-to-be professional boxer, you're preparing for your debut. Tell us about your first fight, where it's going to be, when it's going to be, and all that good stuff. Yeah, so I'm super excited to finally be making my uh, pro debut. It's going to be August 7th in Laurel, Mississippi, which is uh, up north, kind of close to uh, Hattiesburg. And it's going to be for the promotion. It's a wrap. Very good. And and, uh, in terms of opponents, I know you said you're not quite sure. Do you have like a list of a handful that it may be or how's that all going? I know 
we've just gone back and forth with the uh, promoter and things like that um, with the opponent. Um, so I'm not really sure yet. Just, you know, preparing for whatever. Um, so we're just going back and forth as far as opponents and as far as whether we can have a crowd or not and things like that. So. And talk to me about that because, I mean, I, I'm thinking to myself from the perspective of a coach. I've never competed in any type of athletic event. But as a coach, you know, I, I want to know who I'm playing so that I could watch film, so that I could know, you know, hey, this is what they do, this is what they don't do well, whatever it may be. And you're going into what's going to be your first fight, so there's already some added, you know, added emotion and adrenaline. So to not know, does that kind of, you know, give you a little bit of anxiety? Um, not really, because um, as far as like pro boxing to amateur boxing, um, for amateur boxing, we didn't really know our opponents either, because for amateur, you weighed in and they matched you up according to your weight. Um, so as far as pro boxing, you know, I would like to know because it is my pro debut and. You know, I'd like to plan ahead, but at the same time, um, you know, even if they did have anything on them from amateurs, um, I'd be able to see, like, a few key things, maybe something in their style that I can pick up. But uh, amateur boxing and pro boxing, like, as far as how they score is a little different. You know, for amateurs, like, the little pats and touches count. In pros, it's more, you know, the bigger shots, the footwork, the movement, and the style. So, so, so for people who are at home listening who – know that there is an amateur boxing world but no and, and obviously know there's a professional boxing world you touched on some of the differences but in terms of obviously you're not going to be having any headgear or the gloves in different size like i guess talk to us to the this, this transition that you're going to be facing yes so um we did have to wear headgear in the uh, amateurs so i no longer have to wear headgear um the gloves are going to be smaller um i think we had 12 to 14 in the uh, amateur and now i'm going to six ounces as a pro so it's a lot smaller gloves um yeah so i'm super excited about that and also um the rounds mm -hmm. so instead of three rounds it's going to be four rounds to start off and then we can build up as far as female boxing goes we can go up to 10 rounds are you uh i mean i know you stay in great shape so i know what the answer to this is already going to be but are you conditioned for four rounds are you ready for that Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so as far as, like, conditioning and my training so far, like, uh, we've been doing anywhere from 16 to 20 rounds in the gym. My goodness, 16 to 20 rounds. Goodness gracious, that's incredible. Um, so I know the last time we spoke, you were telling us this was right, like, literally right when the gyms had reopened, and you were super excited. So now more than a month has passed. Uh, what have you been doing? What have you uh, been staying on top of? And, and how's your conditioning and how's everything going in, in uh, preparation for this fight? Um, pretty well. So my gym uh, in Mid-City, New Orleans, my uh, martial arts gym is not fully open yet. Um, so we've been doing, you know, private training. We have been uh, getting tested. We have to get tested every month. Um, make sure everything's clear that none of our like you know teammates or anything have covid so we've been getting tested just to play like play it safe and then as far as my boxing gym um as far as the usa boxing rules and kenner itself um we've just been following like the state guidelines so we just started you know sparring and things like that um so just not being able to spar for a while uh did take a toll on me but now that i'm able to you know include that in my fight camp and my conditioning it's really awesome um so i've just been you know making do with what i have and like working with very few select people 
instead of, you know, giant crowds, they're going everywhere to spar or like, you know, calling people in from different gyms, just playing it safe and getting the most work I, you know, can with what I got right now. Talk us through the the big picture goal. I know you're going to be making your professional boxing debut. Now, does that mean that MMA is going to be on the back burner? Or are you looking to go pro in both? Talk us through kind of the big picture. If you could script it all out, what would Macy Bro be doing in the next three to four years? Okay, so um, my goals are pretty big, pretty out there. Um, but as far as I've like wrote it down, you know, played it out different ways. And I think the best thing for me personally and what I think I'm going to do is as far as when I turn pro for boxing, I want to build myself up, give myself about two, three years as far as pro boxing, um, hopefully get into a big organization for boxing, possibly like a WBC belt um, or, you know, a high level, some type of belt in boxing, get my name out there. And then after, you know, I'm up there in boxing, then transition to the MMA where it's going to be a little easier transition, you know, into big organizations for the MMA because people will know me from the boxing and things like that. And yeah, that's my goal. And then eventually, you know, possibly fight for either a UFC title or some other big organization title for MMA. Awesome. I love the I love that you're shooting for the stars. I, I definitely love to hear that. And I got friends who are big boxing fans. I have friends who are big MMA fans, and they both tend to disagree on which one is more difficult than the other or whatever it may be you do both so i'm going to ask you to answer this this question this debate once and for all which one do you think is more difficult and what are the some of the strengths and, and most difficult things about both um as far as endurance i would have to say that um the mma is a little more you know difficult because you're standing up striking, then you get taken down. Once you're taken down, and let's say someone's on top of you from wrestling, getting back up and trying to strike again does take a lot out of you. But also with the boxing, having that high pace, high intensity the whole time, it's just different types of cardio for each one. Like, for example, swimming and running. You know, they're both super enduring, but, you know, you can't expect a marathon runner to go swim a bunch of laps, you know, and expect them to feel good like great after like as if they'd go run but um if i had to pick um i would say i guess mma just because of all the aspects as far as the jiu-jitsu the wrestling the boxing the striking and things like that very good so if we were to name you governor of Mississippi for a day and you could plan however your fight would be, would they would there have fans in the stands? Do you want fans? Do you not want fans? And talk us through the pros and cons of both situations. Okay, so um, not having fans, the pros are that um, the judges' decisions won't be swayed by the crowd. That's a great um, so a point. a lot of times, like, you know, um, shots are fired or, like, you, you know, that you see a punch and the crowd will boo and off. And a lot of times that is like, you know, the judges hear that and they'll, you know, score off of that. So not having your crowd, you get to see the fight for what it is. Um, it also takes like a little, you know, not that I'm ner- like ner- super nervous, but it takes a little bit of the nerves off not having the crowd there, you know, no voices. It's going to be quiet, basically like just a normal training sparring session at the gym which is pretty cool. But then also, you know, like having the crowd, especially like, you know, when my family can go and I can hear my son, you know, cheering for me and things like that. I really like that aspect of it. And then after the win, you know, to take pictures with the family and your fans and thing like, things like that it just makes you feel good after a fight. 
So that's another element of this that I didn't think about asking is let's assume for a second that there are no fans. Will there be a way, you know, will it be on Facebook Live? Will there be a way to watch it, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Yes, yeah, so they're going to do uh, either a pay-per-view stream, like, you know, five ninety nine for the fight, or they might do it like uh, just a regular free live stream. But I'll keep that up to date on my Facebook page. Very good. Now, you are in the process of a little bit of a rebranding. Uh, the Beast has turned into a, a fish. Talk us, through, talk us through the name change. What went into that, and what are some things you like about the new name? Yeah, um, so actually the old, the old name, uh, you know, it was just a little long, and, you know, I've been debating changing it or not, and it was just like a last minute, like, hey, let me hear you take a fight name so I can start branding myself. And then uh, my new name, Mako, actually, uh, my son picked that one a while back. Um, he was like, whenever I was throwing out ideas, he actually really liked that one. And then my gym I'm at right now, uh, Kinder Boxing Club, their logo is the shark, which is actually like the kingfish. Um, so it goes hand in hand with the gym I'm training at and things like that. And I feel like it just flows a little better. Yeah, no, that's And the awesome. logo is really cool. The logo is really cool. I, I give you props. It looks excellent. Um, you have been uh, doing some interesting things in the last couple of days. And, and uh, one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on is you recently made a trip and you got to rub elbows and train and do a little sparring in front of one of the greatest boxers in the history of the sport. Uh, talk to us about how the idea came about and some of the things that you learned while training under the umbrella of Roy Jones Jr. Yeah, so um, my coach um, actually is good friends with the boxing promoter of It's a Wrap, the uh, show that I'm fighting on, and he actually has part of the promotion. And um, George, the promoter, is, you know, good friends with Roy, and, you know, they talk a lot, and they get together, have training camps and stuff like that. So um, the promoter actually set it up. He had messaged me. He's like, hey, can you come out um, tomorrow? And get some scoring in at Roy's gym. I want you to meet him and this and that. And, you know, I was like, hey, why not? Let's not pass up on the opportunity. So um, my coach said, yeah, let's do it. Um, think of it like an audition um, because later in the future, you know, things can possibly happen to where, you know, Roy might be working, you know, with my career, helping me get fights and things like that. Sure. If he likes what he's off. So uh, I went out there, thought of it like an audition and, uh, you know, as far as my sparring partner, the person I had to spar with, it was actually Roy Jones' wife. Um, and before we, uh, you know, we suited up, put on our headgear, our gloves, and uh, he went and talked to her, told her, like, you know, what the game plan was for the first round. Then he came up to me, and he's like, you know, my wife's super green. You know, she she's like, uh, she just trains, but she doesn't really fight, doesn't have, you know, any intention to fight. So I want you to work your jab, work your defense, and things like that. So uh, first round went really well, you know, just worked my job, worked my defense, moved around her punches, things like that. Uh, tried to work super, like, light with her, not let go too much. Um, then after the first round, he was like, that's really good. You know, that's what, exactly what I wanted. Um, he's like, you know, keep doing that, work your job a little more. So next round, we only went two rounds. Um, and after that, he's like, I really like what I saw. Feel free to come, like, you know, anytime. And, uh... Yeah, that was really about it. Um, so he said, I'm welcome there anytime. Hopefully, I'll make another trip to train there soon and possibly, you know, 
go with my coach and we can possibly talk numbers as far as working with management and things like that. Because I know he has really good connections as far as, you know, his gym down there in Pensacola. He also has a really good gym in uh, Russia. So. Yeah, that, that's incredible. And, and I mean, just I know you're a student of the game and I know that you love, you know, this and it's such a passion for you. So to to just have the the opportunity to I mean, that's a Hall of Fame fighter. That's one of the greatest fighters of all time. And to to be getting guidance from right. him. And I mean, that that has to be just an experience like no other. Yes, for sure. Yeah, no Almost doubt. surreal, you know, like meeting those high level athletes or people you never thought you'd meet the ones you'd watch on tv or hear about you know and then later on in your career you're finally meeting them you're almost like in awe like in shock like hey is this really happening but it's not like overly like oh my gosh like saying you can't like fan girl out you know <laughs> yeah I, I follow you uh, so and what's craziest about this is that now you know the news comes out that that uh, Roy Jones is going to be taking an exhibition fight with Mike Tyson. So I gotta ask you, we've got a lot of listeners who are wondering, um, did he appear to be in pretty good shape? Do you think he's going to be in a position to put on a show here in a couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, I think so. He looked like he was in really good shape. Um, but man, like uh, I don't know if you've seen pictures of Mike Tyson yeah. lately. Like yeah. he. Jack, <laughs> but um, but uh, Roy does have a gym like at his house. Um, so he actually has a house where he houses fighters, and uh, so he has fighters basically staying with him all the time. And he has the gym I went to is actually at his house. Um, so he has that. So he's basically, you know, I feel like he's you know super active, and he's been pretty active in the past few years. I mean, I think his last fight was in 2018, so that's fairly recent. Very good. And, and so, you know, to just kind of put a, a bow on all this and, and wrap it all up, you, you're, you're preparing for your fight. Talk us through in the coming, you know, days and weeks, what are some of the things that, that Macy Bro wants to get better at? What are some of the things that you're looking to fine tune? And what in your estimation in the next couple of weeks would be a successful ending to this fight camp getting ready for your pro debut? Okay. Um. So just things I'm working to fine tune are um, since I switched over camp, I'm currently at Kenner Boxing Club. I've learned so much uh, in the past few months working with uh, my coach. And um, I just want to fine-tune the things that he's been showing me. Um, just speed up maybe my footwork and movements a little more. Um, you know, get some more sparring in and things like that. Um, that's about it. As far as, like, fine-tuning things, just making sure my weight's on point. And I'm actually working with a company called CBG, uh, Consistency Breeds Growth. And they're like basically get telling me what to eat at what times after what training. So it's really working out really well. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty prepared for my pro debut and I'm just super excited. What weight are you planning to fight at? And then talk us through that because I'm always fascinated because every fighter has a different plan for how to make weight. So if you say you're fighting at you know a certain weight, how heavy are you going to be before that? How much weight are you going to have to cut? What's going to be the estimated weight that you're actually going to fight at on fight night? Okay, um, so my goal, like weight that I'm going to fight at is 118. If they have an opponent at that weight, um, I don't mind moving up, you know, to 120. Um, so I'll walk around about 10 to 15 pounds heavier than my weight right um, that I'm fighting at currently. Um, so the week of, hopefully about, you know, five pounds we have to cut. And the way I do that um, is I water load, meaning I'll take in about two gallons a day and then 
like uh, Monday I'll have two gallons, Wednesday a gallon, uh, Tuesday a gallon and a half, Wednesday one, and then lower it as like you know as the days go, and then mm-hmm. the day of weigh in, I don't drink anything, weigh in, make my weight, and then I rehydrate. I also cut out uh, sodium that week of just so my body can flush out the you know the water and the sodium and things like that, and it makes it really easy. So you're basically just cutting the water kind of like dehydrating yourself um the key thing after that though after you weigh in is to rehydrate get the sodium back get the carbs back you know the right way and that was the next question is you know as have being in a position where i've never done anything like that before when you dehydrate your yourself like that um it is it difficult do you i mean obviously you don't feel any effects the next day so i guess the question i'm asking is how don't you feel the, the effects the next day how do you do it the right way so to speak um so a lot of fighters they will wait and they will cut maybe 10 to 15 pounds you know in a sauna trying to sweat out 10 to 15 pounds in that day or two um so what i like to do is like whenever i have a fight coming up slowly cut back on things cut my weight down um and then the week of like i said maybe five pounds max you can go you know sit in two hot baths for 30 minutes at a time and sweat out five pounds um but um like i said the right way to rehydrate and things like that what a lot of fighters some fighters don't know is that you know you have to get back the sodium you have to get back the electrolytes and you have to get back the nutrition before you fight um so you see a lot of fighters just drinking the water and um what i like to do is i'll drink uh three drinks but those drinks are like they uh, have water in them. They have sodium. They have electrolytes. So it's not too tasty <laughs> to have that salt water. But uh, you know, there's like a formula. I also, used to plug everything in according to how much weight you cut to figure out how much sodium I need in each drink. As far as you know, rehydrating, how much sodium I need to put in my body, and things like that. Very good. The last question for you is. You know, been doing the amateur stuff for so long, and, and while those are fun and and great and learning experiences, there's always a next one. You know, if you lose, you could always come back or whatever it may be. Professional boxing is a little bit different. I mean, every fight is going to mean something, and you're building towards a greater goal. Just talk about you know the the mm-hmm. the added pressures in terms of you know wins and losses mean a whole lot more for you going forward. Now, talk about that. Yeah. Um. So there is a lot more pressure, um, but I do feel re- like more ready than ever. So as far as amateur, um, I fought in multiple weight classes, you know, took, you know, gave up weight, you know, just to fight a bigger opponent, just to get experience. And, you know, that's something I wouldn't do now as a professional. Like now I'm, I want to pick the right opponent, the right, you know, right skilled opponents, what I need for my career and uh, build myself up that way. Because as an amateur, it was more about, just getting the time in the ring now it's all you know this is my time i need to do what's best for myself and things like that so as a pro you know you have a lot more to think about a lot more pressure on you when you know picking a fight getting an opponent and you know making sure it's the right weight class and you have time to prepare for the right opponent and to wrap up i know that you're looking for sponsors and things of that sort so if anybody wants to join your team how do they reach out how do they become a part of your team um, you can either message me on Facebook or um, you can send me an email at uh, M-A-C-Y, bro, B-R-E-A-U-X-M-M-A at gmail.com. Um, and I have some sponsor uh, spots left on my fight shorts, actually. 
And uh, what I do with my sponsors is I'll put their names on my T-shirts and uh, fight wear and things like that. And if they have, like, any gear or T-shirts or, you know, anything like that, I'll wear them around and shout them out on Facebook and give them, you know, media. Sounds like a winner. Macy, thanks so much for the time and good luck. We, we have no doubts that you're going to be successful in your debut. All right. Thank you so much. Yes, ma'am. It becomes very difficult to root against people who are working as hard as Macy is. Um, over the last several years, I've seen you know the things that she's done and the sacrifices that she's made. She gives her time, her energy, her blood, her sweat, and her tears. And we are rooting so hard for her to have success um, in anything that she tries to do, be it fighting, be it whatever it is that she tries to do. Uh, we think that she's going to make the most of it because she has a winning work ethic and a winning personality and a champion's mentality. Uh, so we have no doubt that she's going to prosper and continue to do great things and continue to make us all proud. So let's catch a quick commercial break when we get back. Sports update. We're going to talk about anything from Major League Baseball to the NBA to uh, WWE, uh, college football, high school football, whatever you name it, we'll talk about it in the next segment. It's the Casey's Corner Podcast on LaFoucheGazette.com. What's up, guys? It's me again. I know you're getting tired of hearing me during the commercials, but I have another message, another very important thing I'd like to tell you. I'm doing this podcast on my own time, and it's 100% for you guys, our listeners, our readers, and everybody in LaFouche Parish who loves sports and who loves news as much as I do. So I cannot stress to you enough if there's a guest that you want to hear, please let me know. I'll try to get them on. If there's a question that you have, please find me on social media. At Casey underscore JustClare at Twitter. JustClareCasey at gmail.com. Find a way to get a hold of me. I want this to be an interactive show, but I want you guys to participate, and I want you guys to be part of the team. So please, if you have someone that you'd like for us to book, let us know so we can reach out to them. If you have a question, please let me know. I'm available 24-7. Don't take any days off. Please make sure that if you got something that you'd like for us to cover, that you let us know so that we could do the best for our awesome listeners. Well, I met this lady and I told her quite a story, said I love her forevermore. But the trouble is I tell the same old story. Great call-in guest today. As always, we're so blessed with wonderful people in the community who are willing to share their stories and willing to share their time. Uh, we thank um, uh, Macy for her time in the last segment. We thank Chandler for his time in the second segment. It's the Casey's Corner Podcast here on LaFoucheGazette.com. Wrapping up this no-COVID show. Get away, COVID. We're not going to talk about you today. Uh, at least not on the podcast. If you want to get COVID updates on LaFoucheGazette.com is where you could find them. Subscribe to us today on iTunes, Casey's Corner in the podcast store. What are the benefits to subscribing on iTunes? Well, um, you don't have to actively find us on, uh, you know, social media or on the website. I get asked all the time. I, you know, I want to hear your podcast interview with Jared Martin, or I want to hear your podcast interview with Tim Rebo. Where do I find it? If you would subscribe on iTunes, it would all be there in the library, all in one place. You could search for what you want, listen to what you want, and every episode would be sent straight to your phone. You wouldn't have to lift a finger to find us from there on in. Uh, so subscribe on iTunes. If you like the show, give us a nice rating on iTunes. 
for a couple of reasons. It's, it's not about inflating my ego or giving me a big head. Um, I've already got a big ego and I've already got a big head. Um, it's about um, allowing us to reach a larger audience. If you're enjoying what we're doing and you give us a high rating, then we're going to show up higher in the library, which means that other people who are searching for content will be able to find us and will be able to stay plugged in. You guys know me by now. You know I do this for the right reasons. I'm about promoting local athletics. I'm about promoting Lafouche Parish and the Bayou communities, which are underreported, underappreciated. And through this channel, we're going to do all of those things throughout the fall. So jam-packed uh, sports update coming up here. We're going to run a little bit long. We're going to talk about baseball. We're going to talk about the NBA. We're going to talk about um, uh, we're going to do our betting blitz. We're going to talk about the WWE pay-per-view, which was Sunday. I'm going to tell you my good, bad, and ugly, some of the things that I liked about it, some of the things I didn't like about it. Um, we're going to talk about um, LHSAA, uh, you name it, we're going to touch on it here in this sports update. But I wanted to lead off, before we get into the meat and potatoes of it, before we really do dove into the, the update, I just wanted to say this, and it's um, trying to think of the best way to put it into words. And I talked about this on social media the other day. So if you guys follow me on Facebook, you'll know where I'm going with this. But I'm sitting here, it's Thursday. It is um, July 23rd. And the last two days now, and like you guys could tell, I'm in a pretty good mood today. I, I'm usually, you know, sometimes angry and, 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 you know, hollering at people who are not doing the right things or whatever it may be. But I'm in a great mood today. Um, the last two days, Tuesday and Wednesday both, I've watched full nine-inning Major League Baseball games. Um, and those were the first real quote-unquote major sporting events that I had watched since March 11th. Now, I watch a ton of golf, watch a ton of UFC, watch a ton of WWE, but I don't consider those major sporting events. I consider major sporting events to be NBA, NFL, MLB, NCAA football, NCAA basketball. Um, the other stuff to me, at least in my opinion, is more niche. Um, and I was sitting there realizing, especially on Tuesday, not as much on Wednesday because the Wednesday Braves game was a day game. Uh, so I was watching it while working. But Tuesday, as I was watching the Braves game, they were playing the Miami Marlins in an exhibition game at Truist Park in Atlanta. Um, I found myself for three hours fully escaped. You know, after months of this continual COVID data finding and reporting of numbers and seeking truth and studying trends and, and talking to people about all the different concerns you guys have. Are we safe? Can we stay healthy? Can we get beyond this? When can we reopen? When can we go to phase one? When we, can we go to phase two? Can school start back? Can high school sports be played? All the different many questions, the thousands of questions that have gone through my mind and that have gone through your minds that you guys have presented to me, uh, which I'm so appreciative of because a lot of the reporting that we've been doing would not have been possible without our readers participating actively and productively in the process. But throughout all of that, a certain exhaustion does sink in. And I don't mean exhaustion in terms of, I want to go to bed. I don't mean exhaustion in terms of, you know, I'm sore or whatever it may be. 
It's just a general feeling of burnout, of there always being that little piece of worry or that little piece of linger in the back of your mind. That idea of maybe I can't put my phone on do not disturb before I go to sleep because what if they cancel schools, you know, tomorrow at 7 a.m. and it happens while I'm asleep and, you know, I got to make sure that I'm awake to get the update. That little piece of, you know, I can't um, go too far away and go out, you know, have a good time with my buddies because, because what happens if Governor Edwards calls an impromptu press conference and, you know, I miss it and, and you know, he, he brings us back down to phase one during that time and I miss it. Um, just all of that pressure adding up, it, it, it becomes exhausting over time. Um, it becomes exhausting over time. So for three hours on Tuesday and for three hours on Wednesday to have the distraction of being able to watch a Major League Baseball game and to not think about COVID-19 for one second. And for during those three hours, my biggest worry in the world to be whether or not the Braves have enough starting pitching to win the National League East, which is something that in the grand scheme of things means not a hill of beans towards the big picture in the world right now, but towards an irrational sports fan such as myself means everything in the world. Um, that was an incredible diversion for me. That was something that meant so much to me. And that was kind of the light bulb going off in the head moment for me doing these podcasts to say to myself, we've got to slow down some of this this COVID madness that we're talking about on the show because I know you guys don't want to hear it. I know I don't want to hear it. And it's not about me downplaying the virus. It's not about me saying, hey, the virus is over. It's not about me saying, you know, oh, they're, they're fudging the numbers because I'm not saying any of those things. You guys who listen regularly know my opinions on all of those things. I have slayed every single conspiracy theory that has come my way. And I've done it in a very pointed and very heated fashion on this show. But what I mean is that there has to be a line where we separate ourselves from the reality and mask ourselves and disguise ourselves in, in diversion. And sports are the greatest diversion in the world. Um, and it was truly a blessing and a joy to be re-reminded of that passion uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday watching those ball games. And it is such a blessing and such an energizing feeling to know that there's going to be Major League Baseball on TV tonight. The games are going to matter. The games are going to count. And that tomorrow and throughout the weekend, there are going to be Major League Baseball games being played. They're going to count. They're going to matter. And people are going to be very excited by that. And I think that while I'm excited for me, I'm also excited for you guys as well because I know you're stressed as well. I know you're, you're tense and you're worried and everything like that. So just to have something else to think about, something else to, to focus your energy on, something else to obsess over, something else to lose yourself into because like there's only so much Netflix you could watch. There's only so much you know soap operas you could watch. And by now we're all watching reruns of everything because there's no new shows being produced. So to have something to divert our attention is going to be so great for the American people, so great for me personally, so great for my friends. And I just want us all to, at least for the next couple of days, enjoy it for what it is, sit back, relax, enjoy, catch that ball game. Go, you know, and, and uh, if you go into Rouse's or to Walmart, buy that six pack of beer and enjoy a couple of beers while watching the games this weekend. 
um, you deserve it. We deserve it. We've been running at, at the highest speed possible for the longest amount of time possible. It's okay this weekend to let go. It's okay this weekend to um, you know, slow down the gear, slow down the speed, and just relax your minds a little bit. And I know I'm going to be watching baseball all weekend. I encourage you guys to do the same. And shit, next weekend when the NBA starts back, I'm going to be watching that from cover to cover. Uh, Addy, I apologize in advance. My productivity is going to drop on, on the days when the Houston Rockets are playing. Um, of course, I'm joking when I say that, but I'm going to be glued to it. And I hope that you guys enjoy the same. And I know I hear you guys screaming from, from your houses right now. You're going to be upset about the National Anthem. You're going to be upset about, you know whatever will or will not be written on the jerseys or on the courts or whatever it may be. My thoughts and my stance on this are as follows. I watch sports to be entertained. I watch sports to see a show. I do not give a bleepity bleep about what the athletes do off the field. That's their prerogative. Who they vote for is their prerogative. What they do as long as it's inside the means of the law is their prerogative. Um, I have grown up in the the sports media field and have been in enough lock in enough locker rooms to know a lot of those guys aren't role models and if you're expecting them to be that's unfair to them it's unfair to you and to the people in your household who are looking up to these people because you're setting yourself up to be let down so enjoy for what it is enjoy the 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 competitiveness and the the athleticism between the white lines and let go and enjoy the games this weekend i know for sure i will uh that's i guess my little commentary it ran a little longer than i expected to but We'll begin today's sports update by talking about something that no one in the in their wildest dreams imagined would happen. Um, if you would have told me at the beginning of 2020 what would be more likely, um, a national pandemic or a global pandemic or Mike Tyson returning to the ring, I would have said the pandemic. <laughs> I would have said the pandemic, though I wouldn't have been confident in either answer, but it turns out we're getting both of them. Because Mike Tyson is returning to the ring for an eight-round exhibition against Roy Jones Jr. Um, we pull up the details here. We'll read the story directly from ESPN.com. We don't want to uh, plagiarize or take credit for any of their information. This is going to be happening on September the 12th. And it's going to be part of a multifaceted card, which is going to feature several boxer versus MMA matches. Um, Mike Tyson is 54. Roy Jones is 51. This is a match that may be happening 20 years too late, um, but I'll take it. I'll take it. Mike Tyson said today, and I quote, it's because I could do it, and I believe other people believe they could do it too. Just because we are 54, it doesn't mean that we have to start a new career and our lives are totally over. Not when you feel as beautiful as I do. I'm sure that other people feel the same way. And he continued by saying, I never took that many punches. After the last fight I had, I left and I lived my life. I've been through some experiences, and now I'm back here. I feel like I took better care of my body and my state of mind than most fighters before me that retired and came back. Mike, I 100% agree with what you just said. Like, Mike Tyson has never been punch drunk. Mike Tyson lost fights before because he was unmotivated, he was addicted to drugs, he was whatever else it may have been. But Mike Tyson never has been in a position where he was compromised uh, and just taking a beating and, and needed to throw in the towel, whatever it may be. I don't think he's punch drunk. Um, I think he's in a better mental and physical condition than Roy Jones is. Uh, I think Roy Jones has been in some compromising positions recently and had maybe hung on a little bit too long. Um, but I understand this is going to be an exhibition. 
the gloves are going to be padded. They may be wearing headgear, whatever it may be. Um, but I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it because it's Mike Tyson. And there are a few athletic figures who attract eyes and are must-see TV no matter what they're doing. To me, Michael Jordan is one. To me, Tiger Woods is another. Mike Tyson is in that same realm. Mike Tyson could be boxing against a cantaloupe, and I would order it on pay-per-view, and I would watch it just because it's Mike Tyson, just because there's always that thrill, that little piece in the back of your mind that you may see something at this fight that is the most um, uh, extraordinary thing that you've ever seen before. I remember watching Mike Tyson's first fight after prison against Peter McNeely. That was incredible. I remember watching the Mike Tyson fight against Frank Bruno when he regained the heavyweight champion post-prison. I remember watching him bite off of Vander Holyfield's ear. I remember him uh, fighting against some of the scabs that he fought later in his career and losing. And they were all must-see TV because that's just what Iron Mike is. He's got an incredible story, an incredible um, uh, aura about him. And I'm going to be glued to this. And I think that it's also very inspiring the fact that he is uh has turned his life around he was once woefully out of shape uh, mentally not in, in a great place he's turned his life around and i'm curious to see what he could do against roy jones and i think that this is going to be a very entertaining show and the concept of mingling it with some boxer versus mma fights on the undercard i think is genius marketing i think it's going to do a ton of buys and i think that one of the things that um the boxing purists may be upset by is the fact that this is going to probably draw much better than some of the, the guys in their prime who are fighting in the sport right now. Uh, same situation that WWE deals with. If you do regular Monday Night Raw right now, you're not getting a good rating because very few people are interested in the current product. But if you announce a 25th anniversary of Raw show where Stone Cold's coming back, The Rock's coming back, The Undertaker's coming back, even though those guys may be washed up and out of their prime, people are still going to watch it because... The old stuff is better than the new stuff. And boxing is the same way. The old stuff is better than the new stuff. And we're going to watch Mike Tyson fighting somebody, even if he's in a walker, even if he's boxing him in a wheelchair. We'll watch that over watching some of the current stars. And it's not great for the current state of the sport, but I'm going to still be excited as heck whenever September 12th rolls around and we get a chance to see that play out. It is opening day in Major League Baseball today. Say that with me a couple more times. It is opening day today in Major League Baseball. Um, such an exciting time. We've got two Major League Baseball games today. Both of them are exciting in their own ways. Starting with the 6 o'clock game, that'll be the Yankees and the Nationals. I don't know exactly when I'm going to release this. So by the time this is released, we may be a couple of innings into that game. Um, so a lot of the folks who are listening to this will probably be listening on Friday or late Thursday afternoon. Um, so I don't know how that game's going to go, and I don't mean to talk about it in the present if it's already in the past, but Garrett Culver's Max Scherzer, that's going to be a show. That's going to be very exciting. Um, then the nightcap is going to be the Giants of San Francisco taking on the Los Angeles Dodgers, Johnny Cueto versus Clayton Kershaw. Uh, betting odds, the Yankees are a minus 162 favorite in the matchup with the nationals today the dodgers are minus 280 which means this and i know we're going to talk about a lot of plus and minus and different things of that nature and a lot of folks are not going to know what we're talking about so what plus and minus means is this the yankees being minus 162 means that you have to bet 162 dollars on them to win to profit 100 
um, which is which means the Yankees are pretty heavily favored. But on the flip side, the Dodgers are extremely heavily favored because you've got to bet the Dodgers are minus two eighty. You've got to bet two hundred and eighty dollars on the Dodgers to win a hundred dollars. Um, so the Giants and Nationals are big underdogs today. The over-under in those matchups for the Yankees-Nationals game, it's over-under 7.5. For the Giants and Dodgers, it's over-under 8.5. I kind of like over a little bit in the Giants and Dodgers game. I think the Dodgers are going to have their way with Johnny Cueto. I think that Clayton Kershaw is not going to pitch very long, and the more bullpen arms you see, the more the runs may get driven up. I kind of like over in that ball game. But uh, just so exciting to have things on. But... There's just that little cloud of doubt and that little bit of uncertainty because the devil is still behind us and the devil is still going to be making things difficult. And what I mean by that is Juan Soto has tested positive for COVID-19 on opening day. Juan Soto is projected to be, you know, a top of the order hitter for the Nationals, maybe even three, four hole guy for the Nationals, one of the best young players in the game. He has tested positive for COVID-19 today. He's going to the COVID injury list. He's asymptomatic. The Nationals have announced that um, because of contact tracing measures, they don't think any other players are at risk. Um, I'm grateful for this. I remember in March when Rudy Gobert tested positive and everybody freaked out and the NBA shut down. And that's quite frankly what led to the world shutting down. Um, I'm thankful now that we have a better handle on this to where we just expect that people are going to catch this and that it's going to be okay. Like, we don't have to shut down the entire league because one or two players contracts this or one or two players catches this. We're testing sooner. We're catching people who are asymptomatic. And by and large, the outcomes are going to be better. Professional athletes, though, we've had a bunch of cases. In the NBA, the NFL, MLB, we've had a bunch of cases. We've had zero, zero, Z-E-R-O hospitalizations. Athletes are not at risk. Professional athletes and trained lungs are not at risk. So, um... While I understand you got to be precautious, you know, take precautions and, and, and be cautious and do all the right things, follow all the right safety measures. If you know the star first baseman catches COVID nineteen, there's a ninety nine point nine 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 percent chance he's going to be okay, and he's got a greater chance of injuring himself severely, slipping in the shower, hitting his head, and having big complications. That's just the reality. That doesn't that that those same mathematical equations don't. Uh, factor into the equation for me or you because we're not trained athletes but those guys have trained lungs trained bodies they're eating the finest foods great nutrition they're going to be okay and it is safe for them to return major league baseball's plan is not flawless they're not in a bubble the nba's plan is far better but i think the mlb still will be able to go off without a hitch over the weekend we've got a lot of matchups my braves are going to be taking on the mets in a three-game series that'll be exciting Other matchups of note, the Brewers and the Cubs, that'll be exciting as heck. Uh, Let's see, the Rockies and Rangers, that's interesting. Two kind of wild card teams, some sleeper teams. Pirates and Cardinals, Mariners and Astros, Diamondbacks and Padres, uh, Angels and Athletics. There are lots of good baseball that will be on the television. I encourage you guys, as we said earlier in the segment, to, to catch a couple of games, enjoy yourself, and we're so excited to see how it all plays out. In the NBA... They're getting closer to reopening, and in many respects, they are reopened because they're playing preseason scrimmages slash uh, exhibitions, whatever you want to call them. The Pelicans took the floor yesterday, played the Brooklyn Nets, and just killed them, won by 31 points. Uh, 
Um, a couple of things to note. Still no Zion Williamson. Still no sign of Zion Williamson. Still no information about why he's not in the bubble. Um, it's becoming a little bit of a nervous time. A little bit of a nervous time uh, because, you know, without knowing what's going on, it's hard to predict when he's going to be back. And, like, you can't just show up and, and, and play. You've got to show up and then quarantine and then play. And, like, he may not be available for the opener on July the 30th if he's not back in that bubble very, very soon. And for the Pelicans, if Zion ain't there, like, you ain't getting the nine seed, baby. Like, that's just the reality of the situation is without him there – it'd be awfully difficult for them to to make the postseason and to do the things that they have to do. Now, by all accounts, this is not going to be a long-term thing. He's expected back, but the sand is is getting thin in the hourglass. They need him back sooner rather than later because, you know, we're running out of time here pretty quickly. Um, Like I said, Pelicans did look good yesterday, did play well, but one thing of note is that the opponent, the Nets, like the Brooklyn Nets are terrible. There's no reason that the Brooklyn Nets should be in Orlando. There's no reason the Brooklyn Nets should um, be in the NBA playoffs or in any version of the postseason. Um, They were not a very good team, even when they were whole with Kyrie Irving playing, when Spencer Dinwiddie was playing. Now that those guys are all out, and now that Kevin Durant is continuing to be a coward and, and is not playing even though he's healthy and could play and could make a huge difference, continuing to not play because... Heaven forbid the ego the size of Kevin Durant play in a postseason where he doesn't have an elite chance to win the championship. Heaven forbid he'd be part of a situation like that. Um, Still not playing, though healthy. Shouldn't be being paid for this season, but that's another argument for another day. Um, The Nets are awful. The Nets are awful. The Nets, if they make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference, are going to be the worst playoff team in any major sport of all time of all time like let me read to you the starting five for the Brooklyn Nets yesterday in that scrimmage and and I think that fans that are not hardcore basketball fans are going to literally only know one name (laughs) Um, maybe two Uh, let's see I'm pulling it up here on NBA.com you're starting five right now for your Brooklyn Nets box score by the way final score yesterday 99 to 68 in favor of New Orleans we pull up the box score from yesterday and we could tell you that the Brooklyn Nets are fielding a roster that consists of Karis LeVert, Timothy Cabaret, Jared Allen, Garrett Temple, and Chris Choza. Or Chioza, rather. Let me repeat that again. Karis LeVert, Timothy Cabaret, Jared Allen, Garrett Temple, and Chris Chioza. Who in the hell are these guys? Like, I know Garrett Temple. Here's I, I consider myself to be a big basketball fan, like huge basketball fan. It's my favorite sport. I know Karis LeVert because he's, he's a solid player. Okay, I'll give them that. He's a solid NBA player. I have no idea who Timothy Cabaret is. None. Zero idea. Jared Allen's a solid center at a time in the NBA where who cares if you have a solid center. So congratulations, you've got a good center. Garrett Temple, I know because he went to LSU at the same time I did. Um, if you don't know LSU basketball, or if you don't know NBA basketball, you probably don't know who Garrett Temple is. Chris Chioza, I know because he was a Houston Rockets G League player. G League player. Not, not even a starter in the NBA team, nothing. A G League player. 
Um, this is a terrible roster. Some of the guys off the bench, Jeremiah Martin, uh, Rodian Kurucks. Kirk, I'm probably saying that wrong. Lance Thomas, who we know from the Pelicans, Justin Anderson, Jamal Crawford, who's a veteran who just signed. Like, this is a an atrocious basketball team. I can't see them beating anybody. And while, yes, I'm impressed that the Pelicans beat them by 31, looking at the rosters and comparing the two side by side, my God, you better beat these guys by 31 because they're woeful. And it's a shame that they're in Orlando, but it's even more of a shame the fact that their star players are, are that their star player is healthy and just choosing not to be a part of it. That's that's a doggone shame. But the NBA, uh, more exhibition games tonight. The Lakers are playing and the Rockets are playing tomorrow and uh, more and more, all leading up to the season opener, which is going to be one week from today, July 30th. And uh, I know you guys are excited. I know I'm excited. And this is going to be a wild and crazy NBA finish to the regular season, a wild and crazy finish to the uh, the postseason. And uh, it would have been a wild and crazy postseason even had play never resumed. Like, there are no clear favorites. There's just so much to, to be excited about, and I can't wait to watch it all play out. Um Let's talk a little bit of high school, and then we'll kind of shift gears and talk some other things. Um, the LHSAA said yesterday that they remain committed to having fall sports in Louisiana in the 2020-2021 athletic year. This comes just a couple of days after John Bell Edwards opted to keep Louisiana in phase two of the reopening plan for another two weeks. Okay, so that's the good news, um, and I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news here. Um, but I got to call it the way that it is. Um, that's the good news. The LHSAA quote unquote remains committed to athletics, yada, yada, yada. Um, and they preface that by saying, you know, as long as reopening is safe and, you know, we could do it in a responsible way, yada, yada. Um, parents are overjoyed and people are excited and, and I get it. I, I, I do get it. No one wants high school sports to, to be canceled. Like, I, I say openly on social media all the time that I think high school sports are going to be canceled in the fall, and I get lambasted. You know, oh, man, you're a hater. Like, dude, I'm, I'm the voice of a high school athletic program at South Lavouche. Like, not having high school sports literally cost me money. So, like, I, I stand something to lose. So I, I don't have an agenda. No one wants there to be high school sports more than me. Um, but just looking at the data and looking at the history and looking at uh, where we've been and where we're going, I don't see it happening. And, and I know you could show me this LHSAA statement and, oh, well, Casey, they're, they're eager to reopen and they're committed to reopening. Well, I could show you about 50 similar statements in the spring where they continue to say, hey, we're committed to reopening. We're not canceling spring sports. We're committed to spring sports. We're committed. We're committed. We're committed until the email suddenly said one day we're canceled. The LHSA has continued to say a whole lot while ultimately saying nothing throughout this entire process. They have continued to say blanket statements that feel good and look good on the surface. Well, we're committed to this. We're committed to that. We want to do this. We want to do that. And then they've committed, uh, and then they've continued rather to go back against those things whenever the data says that they can't do it. So, my caution to the, the, the mom or dad or the parent or the coach or whoever it may be who's so excited about this statement and that they're reopening and that they're going to play, just go back and look what was being said in March and in April because they were saying all of the same things. Do you guys remember when they said, hey, we're committed to finishing the spring season? 
we're committed to extending the spring season, even if we got to play into June, even if we've got to play into July. And then it never happened. So what I want you guys to focus on more than what Eddie Bonine is saying, which is often just uh, blowing hot air, is focus on the phases that we're in and focus on the, the LHSAA's plan forward in terms of athletics. As long as we're in phase two, the LHSAA could say whatever the hell it wants to say in an emailed statement. We are not playing high school football. We are not playing high school basketball. And we're not, given the plans that they've released, playing much of anything. Like, I think the only two sports that are allowed to go off without a hitch in phase two are swimming and cross country. And I and look, I mean no disrespect to swimmers. I mean, no disrespect to cross-country runners, but if I told you guys right now, hey, high school sports are returning, we're going to have swimming and cross-country this coming season, not a single person except the parents of the swimmers and the parents of the cross-country runners would be excited about that. So the LHSA is going to continue to do and say whatever the hell it wants to say because they're generating PR. Um, they're generating uh, their own waves of support and are trying to do things at their own pace and their own speed. But the data is going to dictate what happens going forward. The numbers are going to dictate what happens going forward. And the easiest way to see progress is to do what we're supposed to do, to do what we're being coached to do, to do uh, and follow the guidance given by the CDC and by the medical experts because they and not an LHSAA email saying that they're committed to playing football in the fall or what is going to be the factors that decide what's going to happen going forward, period. That's, that's a cold, hard reality. You could call me, you know, you could call me an ass. You could call me, uh, you know, a meanie. You could say whatever you want. Um, but sometimes the, the hardest thing that we have to do in life is accept reality and that's just the reality of the statement. This is larger than an email statement. This is larger than words typed into a Word document. The data is what's going to decide whether or not we go forward. And right now the data says we ain't going forward anytime soon. But we can change that if we change our actions and we change that momentum. But yet that remains to be seen. So now we move to our sports betting blitz. And you guys really like our sports betting blitz. I've been getting a lot of compliments about this. And you guys are looking ahead to the fall. And so am I. So we're kind of all on the same page here. As you hear the thunder roaring as it looks like it's about ready to rain. So if the, the tone of my audio changes here in the next couple of minutes, I may have to shift and go indoors. I'm currently outdoors. But the weather looks like it is uh, about to force me inside. Um, but our sports betting blitz today, we're continuing to do two NFL teams and in, uh, engaging over or under win totals for NFL teams. And we're going to comb through every team in the league. Um, but the next two, uh, well, at least one of the next two is going to put me in a compromising situation. I'm a big Dallas Cowboys fan, as all of you guys at home know. So the next team on our over or under win list is the Dallas Cowboys over or under 10. <sighs> here's what I want to say about this and I'm going to take a, an, an ultimate cop-out answer and feel free to call me a coward because I am taking a coward's way out here I admit it fully over under 10 for the Cowboys I think it's dead on I think this is going to be a push I think the Cowboys are going to go 10 and 6 
I like their roster. I think Dak Prescott is going to be hungry because he's not going to sign a new deal before the start of the season, playing on a franchise tag, an opportunity to earn a ton of money. I don't think he's ill-natured. I don't think he's going to be the type of guy who's going to show up and loaf. And Because if you show up and loaf and you don't play well, you're giving the organization all the ammo in the world to not give you the big money you're looking for. Um, so I think he's going to play well. I think Ezekiel Elliott is going to fit into Mike McCarthy's system. I think adding... Uh, the weapons that they've added in the offseason is going to help the team. C.D. C, uh, Lamb, rather, is going to be a great fit for that offense. Um, you get back Amari Cooper, that'll be great. Offensive line still good. Defensive line still pretty good. Secondary pretty good. Um, and I think what helps is the division sucks. Like the Giants and the Redskins suck. The Redskins don't even have a name. The Redskins, you, you play two games against a team that's in your division that doesn't even have a name. They're the Washington football team. They're in such disarray, they don't even have a name. So when you add that all together, I do think the Cowboys are going to have a successful season. I do think they're going to have a winning season. And the biggest elephant in the room, y'all, is that they, and you guys know this. I know you guys are Cowboy haters, but you guys know this as well as I do. They don't have Jason Garrett anymore. That's going to make them better by default. They don't have Jason Garrett anymore. Like, just taking him away from the equation is going to add two wins to their total. So if there were routinely an 8-8 eight and eight team, then you add two wins, they're 10-6. and six. I think they're going to be 10-6. and six. I think they're going to either win the division or be a wild card. I think the Cowboys are going to be 10-6. and six. I think this is a push. Uh, I'm taking a cop out. I'm not saying over or under because I think Las Vegas hit this one dead on the nose. I think that the Cowboys are going to be 10-6. and six. Next team on the list, the Denver Broncos over or under eight wins for the Denver Broncos. Um, Denver's got a pretty good roster. Um, Denver has, has, has still a very good defense, very good pass rushers. Um, playing Kansas City twice isn't ideal. Uh, the rest of that division isn't as good, though I think the Chargers are going to be better. The Raiders are going to be better. So there's no like bottom feeder in that division, but there's no other great team except the Chiefs. If Drew Locke could take the next step, the the, the Broncos have a chance. Uh, and Drew Locke, uh, at times last year was was pretty good. You know, you, you pull up the numbers, which I'm going to do so now. This was lost on me last year. Like I watched a lot of NFL, but I didn't realize how good this guy was. This guy played uh, a lot of football at the back end of the season. He had seven touchdowns, three interceptions, 64% completions, and they won four out of five coming home. They beat the Texans on the road. They beat the Chargers, beat the Lions, beat the Raiders. Like, they won four out of five coming home. So I'm going to go over for the Broncos because I think Drew Locke's going to continue his progress, and I think they've got a good enough defense to where they're going to have a chance. And Denver is in, an, in a unique situation because um, at a time in the COVID pandemic where uh, teams may not have as big of a home field advantage anymore because there may not be fans in the stands or they may be heavily limited. Denver's going to have a built-in advantage because no matter what, they have a home field advantage because of the altitude. So I, I think Denver's going to go over eight. I think they're going to have a winning season. Give me nine or ten wins for the Broncos. I, I'll, I'll take Denver in this. And I actually feel pretty good about it. I like what they're doing. I like their quarterback. I like their roster. So give me Denver. Uh, so that's our sports betting blitz for football. We're going to extend our sports betting blitz now into baseball. I'm going to tell you some weekend series odds that I like for MLB. Uh, we're going to take a look at some of the games and some of the lines, and we're going to break this all down for you. Um, I love doing this stuff. If you guys can't tell, I love doing this stuff. 
So let's take a look at some of the things going on tomorrow. I'm not going to pick any of the games tonight because by the time you listen to this, the game may already be going on, and I don't want nobody to say I'm cheating or whatever it may be. But like I said, I do like over 8.5 in the Giants and Dodgers. Um, tomorrow, um, let's see. Let's look up and down the list here. I like the Twins, minus 111 over the White Sox. I like, uh, let's see, I'll give you another pick. Uh, I like the Athletics minus 148 over the Angels. And I like over nine runs in the Rockies and the Rangers. So those are going to be my three baseball picks for tomorrow. Those are Friday games, Friday lines. Uh, so those would be three that I'd play. And if you, you hit two out of the three, then you make a little profit for the day. If you go to Biloxi, whatever, and lay some money down. So good luck. Uh, happy betting. Hope everybody uh, enjoys and hope everybody has some success. Very quickly, uh, and then we'll get to some wrestling. Um, as you guys know, we like to wrap up with wrestling. Um, the Nichols football team had Southland Conference media days yesterday, um, and the news was released by the Southland Conference that they're playing. Like they're not playing in the spring. They're not, you know, doing only non-conference game or only conference games. Uh, they're playing. So that's good news for Nichols. Now Nichols, of course, has had one of their games canceled because Mississippi Valley State was on the schedule. That's a SWAC school. So uh, when the SWAC postponed their fall sports, that put Nichols out of a game. And the news broke yesterday from Coach Rebo at Media Days that Nichols is aggressively trying to find a game. Uh, I don't know if they're going to have any success. Uh, good luck to them in those endeavors. Uh, but they're trying to find a game to supplement that one to get an 11th game on the schedule. Uh, but it was great to hear that Nichols is going to be playing uh, this fall and that they're going to be uh, rocking and rolling. You know, we're, we're trying to reopen. We're trying to reopen safely and responsibly. And, and Nichols is amongst many who are trying to get this thing in, in high gear so that we could, you know, get back to life as normal. You know, the new normal is always going to be in place, but we've got to settle into a new normal and, and find some consistency there. Now... We'll talk some WWE. Uh, we're fresh off of the pay-per-view. I apologize in advance. I was going to do an After Dark episode after the pay-per-view, but I, look, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm not going to tell you guys no lies on this podcast. I watched the pay-per-view at my brother's house, and uh, for those of you who follow me on social media, know my, my brother and his wife have two children, my nephew, uh, Lennon, and my godson, Jackson. And I am often, uh, you know, playing with them and whatever. We watched the pay-per-view together. And then when the pay-per-view was done, it was around nine or so, uh, we decided, hey, guess what? We're going to spend the rest of the night playing Fortnite. So instead of recording an After Dark episode for you guys, I played Fortnite with my nephews. And sorry, not sorry. I had a great time. And I know you guys understand. So we're going to break down the pay-per-view now. There were some things I liked. There were some things I hated. Um, you know, it was, it was okay. It was a pretty good show. First things first, the pre-show match featured Kevin Owens defeating Murphy in a singles match, 8 minutes and 55 seconds. Um, I don't have really very much commentary about this. The only thing I could say is that Kevin Owens is entirely too good to be on the pre-show, and so is Murphy. Um, I'll give them a little bit of a pass because, as you hear the rain starting to fall, I'll give them a little bit of a pass because some of the other crap that was supposed to be on the show ended up also getting knocked off of the show. Like, we didn't see um, Jeff Hardy and Sheamus. That could have been on the show. ended up not being on the show. We didn't see the United States Championship match. That ended up not being on the show. So they were pressed for time. 
So I'll give them a little bit of a pass for, for Kevin Owens being on the pre-show. But, like, we've got to find something better to do with him. Like, he's a main event guy. He's a guy who is one of the best workers in your company. We've got to find something better to do with Kevin Owens. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts around it. The next match that was on the card, the first match of the, the real card, so to speak, was Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura defeating the New Day to winning the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. They got 10 minutes and 25 seconds of time. The match ended in a big spot where uh, Big E, uh, or excuse me, uh, Kofi Kingston going through a table. Um, I like Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura. I said in the kind of build-up podcast before the show, I thought this one had a chance to steal the show. I wouldn't go so far as to say that it did that, um, but it was very good. It, it was certainly very good. Uh, so they got a little bit of time, and they, they worked, and it was very physical, very stiff, very good performers. I like Cesaro and Shinsuke as a tag team, and I think that they defeated the New Day in a way that didn't, uh, didn't hurt them at all. And I mean, New Day is a Hall of Fame tag team. They're not going to be hurt at this point in time. Uh, but it was a good match and a, 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 an interesting ending. I picked New Day to win this one. I didn't think that they were going to take the titles off of them, but a very interesting ending. And I'm curious to see what Cesaro and Shinsuke could do with the titles. Now, some of the stuff that I want to talk about most from this pay-per-view involved the ladies. Um, Bailey with Sasha Banks defeated Nikki Cross with Alexa Bliss. The match went 12 minutes and 20 seconds, maybe a tinge long maybe a tinge long the ending with uh was sasha banks assisting bailey in in defeating nikki cross and, and retaining the smackdown women's championship bailey and sasha banks are red hot right now i've expressed my opinion on this i think that they're the hottest thing going in all of wrestling any brand right now um and it was just a continuation of the momentum they win but a they put on a good show while winning B, have a sleazy-ass ending, which allows them to keep their heat. And C, they're just so charismatic. They're oozing with charisma. Um, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I didn't think Nikki Cross could could make me this interested. Uh, but she was solid. She was pretty good. And Bailey and Sasha stole the show. And it was the first time on the night that they would end up stealing the show uh, because they stole the show a little bit later on as well. So kudos to Bailey retaining the SmackDown Women's Championship. And doing what she does man just just being an incredible incredible performer the fourth match was actually what i thought was going to be the the main event it was uh, it was an eye for an eye match the match could only be one one competitor extract an eye from their opponent seth rollins versus Rey mysterio we'll break this down into two parts we'll break this down into the, the first and they went 18 minutes and five seconds we'll break this down into the first 18 minutes and then we'll break this down into the second part which is the last five seconds Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio had a hell of a match. They fought. Um, it was physical. A lot of acrobatic moves. A lot of athleticism. There's two Hall of Fame competitors going at one another. A pretty good story involved. A lot of adrenaline. It was a great match. The ending sucked to high heaven. If you're going to have some sort of crazy stipulation, an eye for an eye, and, and you're going to pre-tape your show, um then you've got to give me some sort of gore, some sort of blood, some sort of guts. Like this thing where Seth Rollins works over Mysterio, hits him in the eye, and then all we see is what looks like a gummy bear eye poking out of Rey Mysterio's head. And then Seth Rollins uh, air gagging until he throws up. Like that's, that's a terrible ending. You built up this stipulation like it was going to be the craziest, most gruesome thing that you ever saw. And then on the scale of 1 to 10, you gave us something that was a 2. Um... And look, I'm not saying that I would have enjoyed blood, guts, and gore, but if, you, if you're 
advertising blood, guts, and gore, then you better give us blood, guts, and gore. And they didn't. The match was incredible. The athleticism and all the things that I just talked about were awesome. But the ending sucked. The ending woefully sucked. And a match that could have been remembered for a long time because of something potentially crazy happening is now going to end up being an afterthought in, in the, the, you know, the, the, the channels of history because you gave this crazy once-in-a-lifetime unique stipulation to match and then you didn't deliver the stipulation. Because we only got to see a small little bitty piece of whatever we were supposed to be looking for and it looked fake. And it looked incredibly fake at that. And um, I, 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 if, if you can't make it look good, then just don't have the damn match. Like, then just have a, a hardcore match or a steel cage match or whatever you could do with these guys. But if, you, if you're going to step up high onto that ladder and say, we're going to have an eye for an eye match, then you better deliver us something that we ain't never seen before. And as I was looking, I'm wondering, and I even commented to my nephew who was watching the show with me, why the hell is Seth Rollins throwing up? This isn't gross. Like, oh, it looked like a gummy bear was, hang was hanging out of Rey Mysterio's mask. It was not gruesome. It was not anything out of the ordinary. It looked fake. It was fake. It's fake wrestling. But if you're going to promise us the most heinous and crazy stipulation and the most gruesome stipulation that we've ever seen before, then you've got to deliver something better than that. That, that just wasn't very good. It wasn't very good, and it took all of the shine and all of the luster off of what was an incredible match between two incredible performers. Fifth match on the show, Asuka with Kyrie Sane versus Sasha Banks with Bailey. It ended in a no contest, technically. The match went exactly 20 minutes. Best match on the show, by far. Best match on the show. Um, Bailey and Sasha were again on fire. Uh, great match. Ashka, Ashka is, is incredible. Uh, they, they went back and forth, false finishes, submission holds, technical wrestling, acrobatic, uh, acrobatic wrestling. You name it, they did it. It was, it was a great spectacle. Um, I was probably the last person to be all in on the women's revolution or the women's evolution, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I'll eat the crow because that was a great match. That was a match that a lot of the men on the roster couldn't perform. And then the ending, like the ending was old school, 80s, early 90s, classic cheap heel stuff where the referee gets knocked out and then the heel rips off the shirt and then counts one, two, three, and then they leave and they steal the belts. It was a cheap, dirty ending. It was everything that wrestling should be because it left you wanting to know, hey, what's going to happen tomorrow? Like, is this going to count? Is this not going to count? And the heels looked like sleaze bags on their way out while prospering and it was hard to hate on them for being sleazebags because they had just put on a hell of a show and that's what being a heel is about that's what character development in wrestling is all about that match was one of the best matches i'd seen in a while in wwe is one of the better finishes i'd seen in a while in wwe kudos to both performers kudos to Kari Singh and bailey for playing their roles on the outside and making it a spectacle that was far and away the best show on the card reaffirms my position that Sasha Banks and Bailey are the two best performers in the entire company and two of the better performers in the entire business. The WWE Championship match ended up being um, interesting. I, I Look, I, I admit when I'm wrong on this show. I admit when I'm wrong, and I'm not hesitant to admit when I'm wrong. I said when this match was announced that I was not excited because I knew that Drew McIntyre was going to win no matter how it went. 
but that I knew Dolph Ziggler was talented enough to make it interesting and to make them the best and the most out of a bad situation and a very compromising situation because a championship match should be one where the audience has uh, the, the little doubt in their mind that, hey, they don't know who the winner is going to be. You know, hey, maybe this guy is going to win the championship tonight. Maybe we're watching this and we're going to see a title change. I told you on this show for the last month and a half, there was 0% chance Dolph Ziggler was going to win the championship. So I thought it was a throwaway program, and I thought it was something that could be done on Monday Night Raw as opposed to a pay-per-view, which coincidentally enough, we're going to see them in a rematch on Monday Night Raw, and that's probably how it should have been settled to begin with. But on this show, I also have said many times, like you know, I'll reiterate what I said a minute ago, that while it's going to be a 100% chance of McIntyre winning, Dolph Ziggler is good enough as a heel and is good enough as a performer to make it entertaining even though the outcome isn't in question. And boy, did he do that. Extreme rules match. The stipulations were it was extreme rules only for Dolph Ziggler. If Drew McIntyre uh, got disqualified or counted out or whatever it may be, he would have lost the WWE Championship. Dolph Ziggler beat the ever-living shit out of Drew McIntyre, excuse the language, pounded him with kendo sticks and chairs and whatever it may be. And then at the end, just like a good heel does, for everything that Ziggler gave, he took it all back at the end and, and ended up taking the punishment and taking the pen. Um, entertaining match. I just wish that there were more credibility in terms of there at least being an, an inch of a chance that Ziggler would have won the title. But for what it was, it was a great match. 15 minutes, 25 seconds. It uh, it exceeded my expectations. And I went into it knowing that it was going to be entertaining, but it still exceeded my expectations. Now, something that didn't exceed my expectations was Bray Wyatt defeating Braun Strowman, if you want to call it that, um, reading off of the results on uh, WrestleZone, defeating Braun Strowman in a Wyatt Swamp fight. Uh, We've talked a lot about these quote-unquote movie matches and heavily produced matches where, you know, there's a lot of production and editing and a lot of acting and some of it's been good, some of it's been awful. The Undertaker and, and uh, AJ Styles at WrestleMania, great. Uh, the Bray Wyatt versus John Cena at WrestleMania, great. The Money in the Bank ladder matches, absolutely terrible. Um, and this, while it had, it had, this had some pieces of both. Um, some of the 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 acting in this was okay. Bray Wyatt kind of carried it because. There's an interesting story there. The two guys used to be together, used to be different characters, whatever it may be. But it, it all ended up just being kind of confusing. I mean, they're fighting in the middle of a swamp, and you don't know who's winning. You don't know what's happening. And then uh, it looks like Braun Strowman wins, but then The Fiend comes back at the end, and that kind of causes him to go over. And, like, I left this not knowing what the hell was going on. And if you're going to produce something... Uh, I, I just feel like there should have been a little bit of a clearer picture. It should have been a little bit of a clearer ending. should have been a little bit of a clearer path forward because I didn't know who won and who lost. And until I'm reading off of these results here, I didn't know that technically Bray Wyatt was considered the winner because he was kind of the last person standing and the last person shown on camera. Um, it was a little confusing. And I think that if you're going to do all of this newfangled fancy pants production and all the different things that they're doing which i'm not opposed to because i think that may be where the future's headed anyway like 
we're in a world where Game of Thrones is the thing and that's what everybody looks forward to. And if you've got the money and the ability to produce this stuff and make it as violent and as, as interesting and as, as dramatic as can be, by all means, go for it. But if you're going to make that leap and abandon wrestling, then it better be good. And this just wasn't very good. It was confusing and, and it was just hard to follow. Um, and I would, I would have been more acceptable... Or it would have been more acceptable, rather, if this was was the third match on the card, or the fourth match on the card, or you know whatever it may be. But to end your show with something that was a big old giant cluster bleep, um, just not my cup of tea. And it turned what I thought otherwise was a great show uh, from what could have been graded an A minus or a B plus into like a B minus or a C plus. Because as fans, we remember the thing that we remember the last. And the last thing I remember about this show was not knowing what the hell was going on. And, and I think that that's a shame. And I, take it, I think it takes a lot of the shine and a lot of the luster off of, like I said, what was otherwise a great show. So that's where we are with WWE going forward. They're going to start building towards SummerSlam. And uh, we're very hopeful that SummerSlam will be a good show. And we're continuing to follow AEW. Look, I... I'm critical of AEW on this show, and a lot of it is because I like to rib my friends and give them a hard time because they're hardcore into it, and I'm not as big into it as they are. I get that. Um, AEW Dynamite Wednesday was really freaking good. Like, top to bottom, every match on the card was incredible. And if they continue to go with that level and that effort, um, we're going we're gonna to be cooking with grease here as wrestling fans for quite some time. So we're going to continue to follow them as well. But... We're going to wrap up here. We want to thank our call-in guests. We want to thank Macy Bro. We want to thank Chandler Gitros. We want to thank everybody for listening. Subscribe, subscribe rather, on iTunes. Keep your internet browser on lafougegazette.com. We're going to continue to provide the latest and greatest content. We're going to do our best for you. If you guys continue to do your best for us and, and read and you know provide good questions and good commentary for us. So we're going to wrap up right here. Thanks to everybody. Have a great rest of the weekend. Be safe. Stay out of this rain. Uh, we'll pray for our friends in Texas, uh, but we think that they'll be able to fight this off in, in, in good form. So God bless everybody. Have a great rest of the week and enjoy your early parts of the weekend. Go watch some baseball. Go watch some basketball. Sports are back. Enjoy them. We're not going to talk about coronavirus on this episode at all. We spent the entire last 90-plus minutes talking about sports, and we loved every minute of it. So adios, amigos. Have a great weekend. Ain't nobody man enough to feel the pain And you can be next, you better get